There are experiences as a child that inspire our lives. That meal you had on holidays. Now you're an award-winning chef. That paint-by-numbers you received for your fourth birthday. Now you're hosting a gallery showing. In 1977, one experience inspired a generation. Welcome to the Geek and I podcast, part of the Geek News Now network. Visit geeknewsnow.net for the latest news and information. Sponsored by Sumner Twins Talent. Find them online at facebook.com slash Sumner Twins. This week, we talk to a man whose singular experience going to a movie inspired a life of collecting and eventually making movies. This is the Geek and I Podcast. Welcome to the Geek and I Podcast. This week's episode, I want to talk about inspiration. Things that inspire people the rest of their lives. When I was 13 years old, for my birthday, I got my very first boombox. And I remember taking that boombox up to the high school and with a friend of mine going to play tennis. And he said, hey, have you heard of that new radio station Z100 that just started a couple of days ago? And I said, no, I I haven't heard of them yet. So we tuned in and the magic that came out of that radio way back in 1983 and then the next morning something even better happened I woke up tuned to Z100 and heard Scott Shannon and the Z Morning Zoo now if you don't know what the Z Morning Zoo is or who Scott Shannon is I don't blame you it's kind of old and outdated but to me at 13 years old this is what I wanted to do play great music and have fun because that's what it was every morning from 6 a.m. until 10 this group of five people had fun so for this episode I want to introduce you to somebody who took his experience in 1977, turned it into a habit of collecting, and transformed that into a career. Please welcome to the Geek and I podcast, collector, writer, producer, director, Jeff Dickinson. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Welcome hey, man. To the show. How's it going, brother? It's going great. Uh, thanks for joining me on the uh, on the show this week. No problem. Glad to be here. So, give me a little bit of um, of of history on um, your collecting, and what I'd like to do is kind of uh, go from where you were as a kid, uh, and then kind of weave a, a path to 
uh, where you are today and how that kind of inspired you into doing what you are currently doing. Cool. Yeah. I mean, who knows what really starts a person off as a collector or inspires them the most. But uh, for me, it began with a little movie called Star Wars. I mean, uh, I was a Star Trek fan watching the shows. Grew up in the 70s as my childhood. And, um, you know, my mom took us kids and my dad to see his movie Star Wars. And it blew me away. I mean, I love to read. I, I was writing my own little short stories and poems and stuff like that. After that movie, I just, I, got, I went home and was thinking about what happened next. And that crawl got me. Rogue One came out eventually, which I'm very, it's a really cool f- uh, flick. But uh, that as a kid, I read that to my brother. Hey, what's that battle? I mean, how do you do that? He's like, shh, we're still watching the movie. I'm like, I don't know. I'm reading. <laughs> that's how That's how much I got in touch. And then when the ship, you know, the Darth Vader's, uh, uh, I forgot what it's called. the uh, Star Destroyer. Star Destroyer, thank you. Uh, after that flyover, I knew I was in for a treat. Yeah, I think that's I think that's everybody's um, uh, seminal moment of of Star Wars is is that opening fanfare, mm-hmm. and then you know coming down on on Tatooine, and then those two ships flying over. Um, I think I think that might have flipped a switch in a lot of people um, who probably would not be doing what they're doing today if it wasn't for that movie. Do you feel the same way? Oh, most definitely. I mean, my friends growing up, you know, we were inspired by people. You know, you are, when you look up to your adults, you know, your parents and family and stuff, and we were looking at evil Knievel. I mean, people who got us, you know, pumped about things. But when it came to movies, you know, we didn't really talk much about movies, but when Star Wars hit, I mean, Planet of the Apes was really big, but when Star Wars hit, Man, that's all we talked about on the playground stuff. And for, you know, like I said, I have a friend of mine that had a little camcorder from his dad. He would borrow. They were making backyard films. You know, they were trying to get the little figures and do stop motion, little action scenes with them. So, yeah, I mean, that kid that picked up the camera and did a little background, you know, backyard movies, eventually, you know, grew up to wanting to do films. And, um, you know, was it for my friend and his little camera, me playing around with him and me as a writer thinking, okay, well, here's a scene, you know, we wouldn't be where we at was for literally George Lucas. Salute you, brother. Man, that dude's, his, his mind is something. Well, I think, I think as a kid, we've, we've all um, made our own Star Wars movies uh, <laughs> tenfold, you know, taking the figures and going out in the backyard and, and, uh, you know, this is the, the continuing adventure of Luke and Leia and Darth Vader. And, you know, I remember growing up, you know, taking my Darth Vader and, and putting him on the clothesline and, and sending him out on the clothesline. (laughs) And, you know, he's using the force to cross the chasm, you know, I never thought about that. That was excellent. (laughs) (laughs) I, know that I don't. I, I don't want to. I don't want to see that in episode ten. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that. Um, 
well, we're all, and I grew up poor, so I was lucky to see a figure. Um, we all had allowances. We had to do chores to get our money. And the first figure I got was Darth Vader. Uh, my brother got C, no, he got R2D2, and my sister got Princess Leia. And so we we're all playing in the backyard, and we we're like, then, you know what? How do we do a scene with those three characters alone? Because, you know, C3PO, I mean, R2D2 with Princess Leia, I could, I could deal with, but then Darth Vader's a bad guy. And I was like, okay. And eventually we grew up to get to Landsphere. So all of us in the neighborhood, one guy got Blaney Falcon because, you know, he had more money. Um, I got the Landspeeder. A friend of mine got the TIE Fire. And that's how our adventures continued, through those toys. George Lucas was a mastermind, especially when it came to stuff like that. Now, your collection, does it include figures, or are you more of hardcover, you know, uh, stuff, you know, where you can, you know, read a read through like books and, and um, uh, making of novels and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm across the board for everything. Um, I collect the figures. Um, I had my original figures. I had, uh, I, you know, I was making room for new stuff. So I sold some of my original, you know, figures. Uh, but then of course, you know, what started for me though, the very beginning of my collecting, my mom, when she took me to, and my family, of course, to the to see Star Wars for the first time, they sold movie programs. Now I spent my allowance because we were going on the weekend, and I told my mom, "Look, I would like to get that. I'll you know you keep my allowance forever until it's paid off. I want to get this program. I mean, something spoke to me because behind the counter, next to all the you know where you get the cups and popcorn containers, and so my mom went ahead and she said, "Okay," and got me this. Let me see if you guys can see it. Oh, there you go. Can you see that? Yes. Okay. You make my side of the screen bigger. I could probably do better. All right. So uh, this is the front and back of it. And uh, what she did was, I found out later, got me two. One for me to share with my brother and sister. And one, let's see how we could do this. One for uh, that is really cool, huh? That is beautiful, and that's original from 1977. Yes, sir. Uh, no, 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 I can't see, (laughs) (laughs) but basically, um, so I didn't know that we a second one existed until my mom gave it to me for my I think it was 16th or 17th birthday. She uh said, Hey, you're more a little more responsible. Oh, that's fair. And what's what's cool about this program, it showed you a little bit about Star Wars. It, you know, you're able to read a little bit about the characters. There's Ben Kenobi. It gives you a little backstory. So you kind of, when you start following the adventure, and it gives you some key scenes of the movie. There's more characters. Darth Vader. Yeah, that looks very, that looks very familiar. I think I might have had one of those. And they reprinted them. Um, I think it was in the nineties, um, but it's a reprint. You could tell the difference. Right. Now, what else? Um, what else are you are a collector of other than uh, um, programs and 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 books and stuff? Um, film cells. 
uh, one of my friends just went on when the 40th anniversary of Empire uh, was happening. And we started talking about our collections, like, what's the best thing you have? I'm like, dude, tell you what, I had these film cells I used to collect and I you know, lost my ones I purchased and I started going after them again because you own a little piece of Star Wars. And I did a video on YouTube, just posted it oh, a day or so ago because I had some of my friends going, let me see what's in your, what's your collection. I've been describing it. So I did a little YouTube video and you can see all 28 film cells. And um, it's that's one of the best. That's the one that's really important to me the most because it's a little piece of Star Wars, uh, right. the only right. original film set. I mean, I was lucky enough to get what I have, and you know, and when you watch the video, there's some really iconic scenes there. Yeah, and we'll put that link um, in the description. So if anybody wants to go to your channel and and uh, see that playlist, uh, they they could. Okay. Around and there's 28 cells, not 26. I screwed up in the uh, <laughs> talking about you know, you know how you get when you start doing stuff, but yeah. Um, another thing I want to show you though, before you get too far in it, this is another thing. This is the most second, more, well, the most important thing was the program, then the film cells, but then this it came out 2014. It's the storyboards for the very first time you're able to see them. See if you can see all that, but it's cool. It's got storyboards for Empire Jedi, and some storyboards are in color, and the majority of them are in black and white. But it's it's a really thick book, and I suggest if you're a fan, I paid forty bucks for it. Um, probably I don't know if it's cheaper now or is it still in print or not. But it's been six years. But I'm pretty sure you can Google it and. Find it on Amazon or something like that. All right. So, where you say your your mom took you, you and your and your brothers to to see Star Wars? Um, do you remember that day? Do you remember oh, like when it was? Like it was yesterday. Um, so for some reason that day, the kids at school who saw it prior to me was not spoiling the story, but they got your interest enough because they couldn't really remember everything because. You know, so much went on. As a child, I was 11 years old. So as a kid, your mind goes crazy, especially when you have sugar. But anyway, my, you know, when I got to the movie theater, me and my brother and my sister were all in the back seat talking, man, this is going to be great. Um, my sister didn't care because she didn't, she doesn't like space movies. But I tell you what, after that film, she did. She's a total, she dressed up her daughter as an Ewok when she was about six or seven years old for mm -hmm. Halloween. But yeah, that day was so important because we were excited to wait in line. There was a line, um, not as bad as they are, you know, when Empire came out. But uh, yeah, there was a line to see it. I remember waiting and hearing people, the chatter, the crowds, because I don't know about you, but when I'm in the crowd, I like to listen to the conversations around me. That makes for the most unique stories sometimes and kills time when you're kind of, what was that guy doing? You know, hmm. but Getting up to the popcorn stand, smelling that popcorn. I always get my root beer and popcorn. That's a thing that my mom did with me when we saw our first movie together. Um, and that was Snoopy Come Home. Boy, I'm aging myself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once we got in the seats, we got the, my mom brought the program. I didn't know about the program until we all were sitting down. And my mom told my dad, don't give any kids popcorn yet. I want to show them this. My mom cracked out that program. 
And by I, I looked at it, and I wanted to get my sister first so she could check it out. And then my brother saw it, and then the movie was about ready to start. And I started looking at it, and as the beginning started, I was realizing there's backstories. And I was trying to – the light was pretty good where you could still read it. And I got kind of just, just you know, put it away, gave it back to my mom so I could enjoy it. And walking out, dude, I tell you what, my dad fell asleep. <laughs> my, my mom, my mom enjoyed it. Um, me, my brother, and sister was just blown away. Now, did you did you see it in in May? Was it you know yes, how, how long did it was released? Uh, I believe middle May, if I remember right, because um, I remember uh, still being in school, and and um, it was it it was released about probably about the second week. It was running is when we saw it, and uh, you know, like I said, that that's the 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 line started picking up, you know, on the second you know week of it, and I can imagine how it was after that. But we saw it once only, and the next time I saw Star Wars was on VHS. Yeah, yeah, because I remember I I didn't see it until my uh, my birthday in August, so I went. Th- you know, through the rest of May, June, and July. Oh, you're tortured uh, as a kid. <laughs> well, I didn't really know anything about it. You know, it's, oh, really? you know, there was, well, there was an internet, you know, there wasn't, I was eight years old or seven at the time. And there really was nowhere to find out any of this information. You know, it's like you see it in the newspaper, but mm-hmm. it wasn't 24 hour news cycle. There wasn't, you know, trailers Ooh. everywhere and everybody talking about it. So, you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, I would see the commercial on TV and I would, you know, say, oh, let's go, let's go see that for my birthday. Because that's one of the things that we used to do is growing up was, you know, I could either have, uh, you know, a, a couple of presents or I can have a bunch of friends over and then we'd go to a movie after. So I always chose let's go to the movies after. Nice. And that that was one where I remember my dad driving us um, in our 75 Nova and him saying, well, kids, I'm sorry, uh, Star Wars is sold out. So we're going to see the Porky Pig movie. Oh, and man. my brother and I cried in the back seat all the way to the theater until we, <laughs> until we got tickets you want, you for, want, Star, uh, for Star Wars. So that, was, that yeah, I remember that vividly. Oh, man. You just triggered off a memory I forgot about for the longest time. Um, my dad loved country music. And what came out the same time stars did, and because my dad and mom had an agreement, my dad was able to go see a movie of his choice. You know, Smokey and the Bandit. So that summer, I was able to see two yeah, films. Those are my, iconic. my two favorites. Yeah. But that was, that was crazy, like you said. Um, you know, my mom always would love the movies. And I think Smokey and the Bandit is either... Yes, I think Smokey and the Bandit is either second or third... Uh, behind Star Wars for the year box office gross. So that's yeah, how good that five. did. Yeah, I think it was top five. Uh, yeah. So I think five or 10 they do on the that, Right. So you're collecting. I'm, I'm assuming that kept on going through the years. Yes. And um, inspiring you to, to, to start more writing and mm-hmm. um, it just, it just like blossomed from there. 
Well, when you have visual aids as a child with the dolls and your imagination is going, um, I swear to God, I never grew up. I, I'm the same guy as a child that I am as an adult. I met with some childhood friends of mine. When, um, we had this little meet and greet. I uh, went to San Antonio for the first time in a very long time. And get, I got all the time. You, you never change. Your personality is the same because your imagination stays strong and your love for the passion, you know, of wanting to do something different than what you're seeing currently. Because I don't know about you, but when I read a book, my mind goes off in that scene. And I'm already visualizing, thinking about, well, if the character did this instead of that, you know, and it just like the, that's the reason why I, when I collect books, I got those choose your own adventure books. I used to read them as a kid. I love the idea you're in control of your adventure. And that's something that I thought about. Hey, it would be cool to write that. But man, that's I, my hat's off to those people who do those multi stories on video games and books like those choose your own adventures, because that takes some work and the diligence of trying to reconnect your dots with your characters. Because for me, I'm pretty cool with the lateral character lineup and, you know, their backstory and all that. But to do multiple levels of a scene, that's that's crazy. And I, I wish I could do it. But, yeah, but like I said, my collection now- helped. You, you mentioned choose your own adventure books. Did you did you enjoy those more than a regular standalone novel? Yes, I. The, the whole the whole point when a friend of mine said, "Hey, I see you reading Sherlock Holmes, and I love Poe, and I had a book of you know all of his works uh, I used to read." And uh, the fantasy side was the Lord of the Rings. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien had his little box set of three books with a map and all that. Got that, um, and it really you know. When my friends knew I love fantasy and I was love storytelling, they said, "Hey, have you seen this? Choose your own adventures." I'm like, no. Oh. And you had stories of knights, and you had stories of, um, oh, there was different like murder mysteries, and you, you named the genre. They made a choose your own adventure out of it, and that's one thing that really caught my attention, especially as a young child going into his teen years, because I was developing my writing a little bit more. That kind of helped me get an idea of it, how deep of your character do you want to take it. So, yeah. Right. So let's let's talk about uh, your writing. Um, what are you currently working on now? What do you have um, in the you know in the pipeline um, for us in the future? Got you. Well. Um, as everyone knows, my the Raven at Rue Morgue was a story that originally titled um, "The Ring of Death," and it had a little feel of Hitchcock and Rod Sterling. Twilight Zone influenced me as a child as well. Alfred Hitchcock influenced me as well as a child. I never got to see Cycle until I got as an adult, but I did enjoy the other stuff he did, and I was, you know, watching. Um, those movies inspired me to do this little story. And over time, it just morphed into the Raven at Room Morgue. I'd love Poe. Um, I had the idea of what's the two best things I ever enjoyed about Poe? Well, one was the Raven. The other one was Murders at the Room Morgue. And those two influenced me so much that I knew I had to do my own story with the essence of Poe. And going forth from there, it just built into this 
beautiful poetic horror story. And um, <laughs> but after that, you know, of course, I have uh, Harvest Moon we're working on right now. Um, that's by my friends, Chris and Meredith Majors. Um, they were the folks who gave you Lake Erie. And I had, you know, a little hand in that. With that. Um, it, you could go to any streaming service. Um, my uh, YouTube channel, Raven Remorque or Jeff Dickinson YouTube channel. You'll see the trailer for uh, um, the Lake Erie. And uh, that's the next project I'm working on currently. Um, and then, of course, after that, who knows what the future holds? Right. Well, we do have a we do have a um, a trailer for uh, the Raven at at Rue Morgue. So let's let's give that a little uh, a little look. See, okay. All right. Thanks. In the beginning, there were no names. Demons don't have names. Those who fear them made up names for them. Many cultures have a creation story on how demons entered the world. They often start in the same way. The demons you have to fear the most are the ones that live within your soul. They enter our world from hell to feed on pure suffering. Without those feedings, those demons will die. But as long as they are feeding, their existence will last for eternity. The Raven at Rue Morgue. Right on, man. Very, That's still yeah, very neat. Very neat. Go ahead. When, uh, when can we um, look forward to that? Well, that's the $1,000 question here tonight. Um, I would love to be out there getting ready to shoot tomorrow if uh, things would have gone the way i like it to go. But it's still in the pipeline. Um, that's why we're working on the Harvest Moon right now, uh, because we're trying to get things settled with the Raven. But it's still mm-hmm. going through, brother, and looking forward to uh, putting it out there in the world. I know I've been working on it for such a long time to start a story back in 95 and to actually have it to a point where we're at today where, you know, there's always little hurdles. And most people say, don't look at them as failures. I was like, we need failures. This is not a failure. It's not a hurdle. It's a life experience. It's, it's preparing me for the future. You know, God has his own plan. And if he wanted me to do it tomorrow, I've already been in the works and it's a learning progress. It's learning in progress. And so I, I just I just appreciate my cast and crew who stuck it out with me and still hanging in there. So, yeah, I got a beautiful team. Now, do we have a, a cast listing for uh, Rue Morgue or Harvest Moon yet? Yes. Um, if you go to uh, the Facebook page, Harvest Moon, um, Harvest Moon movie, I think it's titled. Um, it has some information there as well as the uh, IMDb. Um, Harvest Moon, there is a promotional trailer we did talk a little bit about the film when we were doing the uh, fundraising for the makeup team and special effects and all of that uh, a couple of years back. And that's out there on my YouTube channel for the Raven at Room Morg, uh, as well as the Jeff Dickinson uh, YouTube channel. Uh, the Jeff Dickinson YouTube channel, to clarify for everybody, is going to be um, 
my work and, you know, that I'm doing currently, uh, be it, you know, Raven and Lake Erie and Harvest Moon and whatever I'm involved in, that's the channel I'll be posting on. The Raven at Rue Morgue YouTube channel is basically about the Raven at Rue Morgue, and it morphed into my personal life of collecting and my passions of video games and music and everything. So, you know, that's that became just a little bit a little bit about me, a little bit about the Raven. And, you know, I guess I, my brain shares the Raven's, you know, timeline with my own lifetime. And so that kind of is poetic in its own sense. But yeah, that's where you could go for majority <laughs> stuff. And also um, the Facebook page uh, for the Raven as well. It's got the music on there that we're working on. Um, it's got the uh, my uh, quotes that was, you know, the Annabelle quotes that I have for the movie and a little bit of background about the characters if you scroll down to the, all the way to the bottom of the uh, Facebook page where I first started and you go up, I even go share some uh, posed poems that inspired me for my characters. Uh, we got Jacqueline, uh, who uh, is going to be Annabelle, Jacqueline Holland. Um, we got Rebecca Nilichek. Uh, she's playing Lenore Rue. Uh, we have Ashley Turner playing Eleanor Rue. And we got G. Larry Butler, who is going to be our caretaker. There is a mystery uh, actor that I will be exposing later on who's going to be playing the caretaker's wife. Um, I mean, I'm really happy that she's willing to do it. We just got to wait for the right time to come up to make the announcement. And, of course, um, I have Monica Solis, who's my composer. If it wasn't for her, the music wouldn't be as hella glacious as it is. I mean, I'm very proud of it. Uh, dark and Faded. And Another Fallen Angel um, were two of the songs that's for the movie. Now, keep in mind, the movies, the, the music in the movie is going to be uh, symphonic and rockish. You know, it's it's not going to be like a rock opera. There's no singing involved. But the music flow of it's going to be classical music. You'll you'll recognize um, that and also the um, rock pieces and stuff. Um, my friend Patrick Kinnison, who's from Heaven Below, had allowed me to use one of his songs, The Takeover, and that's on the uh, channel as well, the uh, page, I mean, for uh, the Raven Room work. So a lot of my friends are helping out. Um, there's a guy in France uh, I've been dealing with who's doing the artwork for the album cover, and guess what album covers he used to work on? Iron Maiden, one of my favorite bands. Remember those album covers from Iron Maiden? They were so iconic. So, yeah, I'm getting a lot of support and help from my friends who was uh, pulling together to help me make this happen. Okay, that sounds great. Look forward to it. And uh, that uh, hopefully when this whole pandemic dies down, we can, uh, we can see you start working on these, on these features. Yeah, that sure has put a little bump in the road for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of my uh, friends who who, you know, who are professional actors are just, you know, are hurting as bad. I mean, they, you know, everybody, everything's frozen right now. I mean, you can't make, movie theaters are opening, but a lot of the movie studios pull their, you know, films from there because they weren't sure how it's going to work out now. So yeah, the industry is hurting really bad. So go out there and support your fellow actors, directors, producers, writers, um, anybody who's been in the industry. Um, well, quick shout out to Angela Joseph, with some of your tools for making this happen. I like to 
thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Jeff. We'll uh, we'll we'll try and uh, catch up to you next time. The uh, uh, you know if we, you, the filming starts and uh, maybe we go behind the scenes, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I'd love to do that with you. You guys have a great one. Thank you, everybody. All righty. Thanks, me. Jeff. So I want to thank you for uh, tuning in to the Geek and I podcast, part of the Geek News Now Network, brought to you by Sumner Twins Talent. Find them online at facebook.com slash Sumner Twins. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Geek and I podcast. Geek and I.